Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church this morning. We are glad that each of you are here for worship. I'll have a few announcements a little bit later in the service, but for now we just wanted to welcome you. We're glad that each of you are here today. Thank you, handbells. Next Sunday morning, Mary and I are excited to have the opportunity. We will be preaching together next Sunday morning. We look forward to that special time in worship, and so we look forward to celebrating with you uh, next Sunday morning. We wish all of you a Merry Christmas. Our Christmas Eve service is, of course, this coming Tuesday at 5.30 here in the sanctuary. At 5? Sorry. At 5 here in the sanctuary. And so be here at 5 for the special Christmas Eve service, and then the church office will be closed on Christmas Eve as well as Christmas Day. We wish all of you a very happy holidays and a Merry Christmas, and we're glad that you're here with us for worship today.
join me in the responsive reading. Advent is a time for God's people to reawaken their longings. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. When we longed for a silence to be broken, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. When we longed for the light that shines in the darkness, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. When we longed for the peace that surpasses understanding, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Today we light four candles. The first candle is the light of hope, granting strength to the weary. The second candle is the light of peace that surpasses our understanding. The third candle is the light of joy that touches the depths of our soul. The fourth candle reminds us the light of God's love poured out in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. God of grace, you so love the world that you gave your one and only Son to all. Jesus is the true gift of Advent, shining forth your glory and grace. As the light has grown brighter through the season, we pray that you would shine forth the promise of your hope, peace, joy, and love within our lives and within our world. Amen. Our hymn is hymn number 103, O Come All Ye Faithful, 103. If you are able, please stand and join in singing hymn number 103.
seated. I invite the children to come forward for lesson on the steps. Come here, come here, Claire. Okay, I'm gonna give everybody a bell. But what did Miss Ellen just tell us before we left the fellowship hall, what we're gonna do? We're gonna be very quiet, aren't we? Because we're gonna do something very special. Is everybody, yes, George, you listened, didn't you? All right, now. What does Miss Ellen have right here? Bells. 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 And what makes a bell special? I don't know. You don't know? Well, you know, we're sort of like a bell. Jingle bells. Jingle bells. But God gave us all our skin and all our body to be a person. Liza, can you slide back down those steps for me? Thank you. Come on, I need to see you. There you go. But there's something inside a bell. What is it, Hadley? Like this little rock, but it makes a jingle. It does. There's a little rock inside the bell. But you know what we have in our, inside us? Bows. Bows, we do. I think we have a heart. And in our heart is what makes us who we are. God made us, didn't he? And at this time of the year, we are so joyful inside because who's coming? Santa. Santa's coming, yes, Santa's coming. But who else is coming? Who did we see in the stable this morning? Baby Jesus. Baby Jesus, that's right. Mary and Joseph, too. All right, now, I'm going to give it. Today is his birthday. All right, I want to give it. Now, hold it still. Hold it very still. I hear people in the audience saying, oh, no, here we go. Hold it very still. Don't, 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 don't. Very still. Hold it very still because we're going to. Don't, don't shake. Don't shake. Hold it very still. All right. Okay. All right. Hold it very still. Here's one for you, Claire. All right, Julian. All right. Hold on. It's all right. Now. Hold on just a second. All right, Ella. Here's you one. Hold on. Hold on. Nope. I hear ringing. I hear ringing. We're not ready to ring yet. What did we do this morning that's made special? What did we do at the party? Will, here's you one. Will. But what did we sing? I'm going to give you one. Just one second. All right, George. Happy birthday, George. Jesus. Here you go, Georgia. Liza. Liza. All right, you ready? Now. Now. Right now, we're getting ready to have Christmas and we're ready to have Jesus' birthday. So what kind of joy do we have? Lots and lots of joy? All right, now, everybody at one time, show how joyful you are because you have Jesus in your heart. Ring your bell. All right, everybody, one, two, three, stop. Thank you. All right, let's pray. Jesus, on this special day, these children have so much joy in their heart. The excitement builds every day. And as we worshiped this morning and we sang happy birthday to you, we know there is a reason to celebrate. Thank you for this joy, for this church, for this season, for these special children. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, bags in. Thank you. We're going to. Yeah, we're going to. Next Sunday, December 29th is our offering in gathering for missions. Supporting missions is important because it's God's plan in this world to establish new churches and to bring new believers to Christ. Through our offerings, there is hope for victims of war. 
For the hungry, thirsty, and sick, there is clean water, clean food, and medical care. 3,800 unreached people groups who live in remote places or are under oppressive governments will have the opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus. Listen as I read from 1 Chronicles 16.24, please. Declare his glory, declare his glory among the nations, his miraculous works among all the people. So next Sunday, come and give. Our hymn is number 148, What Child Is This? 148, if you are able, please stand and join in singing. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house. We thank you for the freedom we enjoy in this country together. Lord, we pray that we will respond to your love by giving generously back to you only a small portion of that which you have given us so freely. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to give, and we pray your blessing on this offering, that it may be multiplied and grow to do your work for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Bells and Candy. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Isaiah. If you open your Bible up to the middle, you'll either come most likely to Psalms or Isaiah and find Isaiah chapter 7, verses 10 through 16. And I would encourage you, uh, I know some, we all enjoy the words on the screen, but I will be going back to and sticking with some scriptures before this passage today as well. And you may want to keep your Bible open to this passage, but Isaiah 7. And then if you will mark with your finger, Matthew 1, we're also going to read that today. I'm not sure if that's on the slide or not, but um, we're also going to. Uh, look at Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18 in just a moment. But before I read, I want to take just an opportunity, again, to wish each of you a very Merry Christmas. Uh, many of you are here each Sunday, but also recognize there are friends and family uh, with some of our regulars here today. And so, again, want to just wish each of you a very Merry Christmas and just encourage you to be a part of our Christmas Eve service that will take place on, at 5 o'clock here in the sanctuary. And it's always a very special time, and I hope you will uh, plan on joining us for that. But our scripture for December has been found in the Old Testament book of Isaiah. And at first glance, some of the passages that we've read have not sounded very Christmassy. After all, there were no shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night, as we read in Isaiah. Uh, there's no stables, there's no inns. It seems to be more about God's people, turnings from God's ways, and the, the fact that they needed to repent and come back to God. But Isaiah takes us on a journey that ends us, that leads us to our setting this Christmas Eve. Isaiah, we've journeyed down some places, but also we've journeyed with some prophetic words as well. When we look at the big story of Christmas, it wasn't something that just happened within the course of a few days or weeks or months, but it happened over the span of thousands or hundreds of years. Words that prepared previous generations and now still prepare us for the birth of our Savior. So let us hear now the words of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 7, verses 10 through 16. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, he was the king of Judah, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God, and let it be deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary mortals that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman or virgin is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before whose two kings you are in, dread, will be deserted. And a more familiar passage now, the fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. The first 17 verses of Matthew give us the genealogy of Jesus. And so we pick up now in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. Before I pray this morning, I want to encourage you to please continue to remember Lana Hinkle. Uh, in your prayers as she is undergoing treatments and surgery. Also continue to remember Clyde Bowen. Clyde is at Cleveland Pines, is back now at Cleveland Pines under hospice care. And if you were to go there and visit with Pat, again, the family has not shared all the details with Pat in regards to Clyde. So please be respectful of that. But remember them and others that are on our prayer list each week. Will you go with me now in a word of prayer? God, we thank you and praise you for the incredible gift of your Son, our Savior, Jesus. 
We are thankful for the opportunities that we've enjoyed this month to celebrate, reflect, and remember the amazing story of how you came into the world. A story that began long before what we read in Matthew and Luke. A story that began many years, many, many years ago. Today we read the prophetic words in Isaiah that you will be called Emmanuel, a name meaning God is with us. And God, remind each of us here today that you are with us. With us amid our questions and our doubts. With us amid our not enough. With us amid the rigor and uncertainty of our everyday lives. God, help those who are sick and hurting today to be reminded that you are Emmanuel. Those receiving treatments for cancer and disease, may they know and experience your presence in new and fresh ways amid their struggles. Remind those struggling with life's decisions that you are walking with them. For those dealing with the grief of a loved one absent this Christmas, be very close. May those who serve you on foreign fields know and experience your presence. Grant them signs that they may know and be reminded of your presence in their lives. Bless them with provision and fruitful ministries. Bless our upcoming offering this next Sunday as we give to further your kingdom around this world. Remind your church that you are here and with us at this very moment. Stir our hearts today, God. May your presence lead us out of complacency and help each of us to follow you more closely. Help us to trust you and walk with you. Remembering those famous words you spoke at the end of Matthew. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Have your way in our hearts and in this service today. I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you, choir. Let me remind each of you here this morning that you have an opportunity before the service is completed to be a part of the choir. Our annual tradition, a wonderful tradition here at Bowling Springs Baptist is to invite all those who would maybe formally in the choir or who would like to join the choir at the conclusion of our time this morning for the Hallelujah Chorus. So you be thinking about that and come and join them and I'm sure they can share some music with you if they, is that, that's right. Yeah, okay. I'm, they're holding up their music. They've got, they're ready. Um, but uh, we have been uh, on a prophetic journey this year towards Bethlehem. As I referenced earlier, we're looking at some different Isaiah texts, texts that were written hundreds of years before the birth of our Savior, text and words that prophesied this coming Messiah, this new kingdom. And the first Sunday we were in Isaiah 2, and we talked about the fact that uh, this uh, coming kingdom, it referenced a mountain, Zion, which is referencing Jerusalem, and how uh, this prophetic words of, of what the kingdom of God would look like, the, the people of God hammering their swords into plowshares, this peaceful place where we would learn war no more, this ultimate kingdom that Jesus began and inaugurated at his birth. And so we looked at Isaiah 2 with that. We looked at Isaiah 11. We looked at the uh, uh, shoot would, would spring forth from the stump of Jesse, a branch. And of course, this, these prophetic words talking about Christ. Uh, we looked this last Wednesday at our Wednesday time about uh, the, the genealogy of Christ. And we find that both not only in Matthew 1, but also in the Gospel of Luke as well. Again, a story that did not begin in just a few weeks or a few months before what we read in the New Testament, but it was a story ordained from the beginning of time. And even last Sunday in our cantata, the words began, uh, the spoken words began, comfort, O oh comfort my people. Prophetic words from Isaiah. But this week we find ourselves looking for a sign. And in Isaiah 7 verse 11, we learn that this sign is located somewhere between the heights and the depth, somewhere between heaven and hell. How often do you and I, in the midst of decision, sometimes we know what it is that God wants us to do and we don't want to do it, so we just say, God, send us a sign. Show me that this is clearly what you would have me to do. But we hear of Isaiah encouraging Ahaz to ask for a sign. And Ahaz, we're going to see in a moment, was not too apt to do that. But the birth of Christ in the New Testament and today in Isaiah in Isaiah's passage reminds us that God shows up amid everyday life. He shows up in our world at different places between the heights and the depths. He shows up amid the everyday and amid the uncommon. We know from the New Testament that God showed up as a sign to his people both now, I mean both then and now, but putting on flesh and being born in the tiny town of Bethlehem. If we want to get the full meaning of this famous prophecy, in the, of this famous prophecy in Isaiah 7, we can't skip right over to its New Testament fulfillment. And so I want us to go back to Isaiah 7 and set the stage. Context is everything. It's, it's always context in sermons as far as where, where are we reading and who wrote it and when and, and all of this. And so in Isaiah 7, we have at this point now the kingdom of God has split into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The um, southern kingdom of Judah, which housed Jerusalem. The current king is the grandson of uh, Uzziah, or Ahaz, the son of Jotham. This is at the beginning of chapter 7, the son of Uzziah, the king of Judah. And so some of you are going to love this history. Some of you are going to say, go ahead and, and get to the message this morning. But listen and, and, um, and, and hear uh, the, the setting, the background from which this passage was read today. But King Ahaz is the current king of Judah. And so he learns that Rezin, in verse 1, the king of Aram, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, is the king of Israel. They went up to Jerusalem to wage war against it. So Ahaz, there's these two nations, the northern kingdom of Israel and Aram, that are coming against Jerusalem, coming against Judah. At the end of verse 1, it says, though, but they could not conquer it. They did not have success in trying to conquer Ahaz and the city of Jerusalem in the southern kingdom of Judah. In verse 2 of chapter 7, when it was reported to the house of David, and again, that's the southern kingdom of Judah, saying the Arameans have camped in Ephraim, his heart and the hearts of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake with the wind. There is panic in Jerusalem. Those forces coming against the nation of Judah now are great. They are mighty. They have a reputation for what they have done in the past, 
and now they are coming against Ahaz and coming against Jerusalem. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, go out now to meet Ahaz, you and your son, Sher Jeshub, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field. And say to him these words. So Isaiah is going to Ahaz, who is in fear. Jerusalem's in panic mode right now. So God sends Isaiah to Ahaz, and in verse 4, he says, Take care and be calm. Have no fear and do not be faint hearted. Because of these two stubs of smoldering firebrands, it's basically saying these two stubs of smoldering firewood. For those of you who have fires in your home, maybe some this these last few weeks, it's been very cold. I know we had one in our home at one point. And uh, we know what it's like to see a smoldering piece of wood that's almost gone out. And uh, Isaiah is reminding King Ahaz to think of these nations that are coming against them is these smoldering fire stubs. They come to you, they may be mighty, they may be strong, but their time is short. Their days are limited. So take care and be calm. Have no fear and do not be faint-hearted. In verse 5, because Aram with Ephraim and the son of Ramaliah has planned evil against you, saying, let us go up against Judah and terrorize it and make for ourselves a breach in its walls and set up the son of Tabeel as king in the midst of it. They already had a plan as to how they were going to conquer it and who was going to lead when the plan succeeded. But in verse 7, thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. In verse 8, for the head of Aram is Damascus, the head of Damascus is Rezin, and now within another 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered so that it is no longer a people. And in verse 9 of chapter 7, this is all before our text for today, the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Ramalia. If you will not believe, you surely shall not last. In the message, it's translated, if you don't take your stand in faith, you won't have a leg to stand on. The key word here, um, the, the, um, the issue, the main issue here is faith. In whom will you put your trust? Isaiah is communicating this to King Ahaz, the king of Judah. Jesus, God has said that he will be with you to calm, to be calm, do not fear, for they will not conquer you. They will not subdue you. And then he says, if you will not believe, you surely shall not last. Faith is the key, is the message that he's communicating to Ahaz. And now we get into today's passage. The Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Make it deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. And then in verse 12, but Ahaz says, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Ahaz is being a little defiant here. Do you know people who would rather live amid their fear than to pursue a path that would lead them from it? It's like they become comfortable with it. It becomes a part of their DNA, if you will. I believe that was Ahaz. The scripture tells us just a few verses earlier that he was fearful. I would think fear is probably one of the most common expressions that we can share in this room. We're fearful and sometimes of different things. What may fear me or bring great fear to me may not to you. But Ahaz is fearful of the enemies coming against him. And Isaiah says, ask for a sign from the Lord your God. And basically he's saying, make it as big, um, ask, ask for big extravagant, ask, ask for the moon. You can ask for anything as high as the heavens from heaven to hell, for the heights to the depths. You ask for a sign. And Ahaz says, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Using the words that uh, we hear often in the New Testament about how we shall put the Lord our God to the test. We do know of people who have done this, some of our Old Testament heroes that have tested the Lord. But moving on, uh, in verse 13, he said, Listen now, O house of David. It, Isaiah's getting, he's, he's a little angry now. You can see that in the text. As I studied it this week, it, 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 he, the, the emotion's kind of ramping up a little bit in Isaiah right here in verse 13, I feel. He said, listen now, O house of David. Is it too slight a thing for you to try the patience of men that you will try the patience of my God 
as well. Another way to look at this in the message paraphrase, it says, it's bad enough that you made people tired with your pious, timid hypocrisies, but now you're making God tired. God is going to give you a sign anyway, a sign that you did not ask for, a sign that you're communicating right now that you do not want. God will give you a sign. Before we look at verse 14, let's talk about that for just a moment. We think of signs in the Old Testament. I can't help but think of Moses in the Red Sea. I can't help but think of his staff or the plagues and the journey out of Egypt to the promised land. I can't help but think of the pillar of cloud by day or uh, yeah, cloud by day and the pillar of, of fire by night. There were signs throughout the Old Testament. One of the most uh, prominent signs that uh, may haven't, we haven't given much attention to, I, I know I haven't from the pulpit that I would like to mention today, is Gideon and the fleece. I don't know if you've ever heard of someone saying in the midst of a big decision, we need to put out the fleece. And what they're referring to is a passage that I'm about to read from Judges 6 about uh, putting out the fleece. Gideon said to God, if you will deliver Israel through me as you have spoken, Behold, I will put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only, and it is dry all around the ground, then I will know that you will deliver Israel through me as you have spoken. So Gideon is asking for a sign. And he's, he's putting a, a fleece out. He's saying, if there's dew on the fleece and there's no dew anywhere else, then I believe it's you. And so it was that when he arose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece, he drained the dew from the fleece, a bowl full of water. It's a pretty strong sign right there. Then Gideon said to God, and he wanted another sign. That wasn't, I guess it wasn't enough. Gideon said to God, do not let your anger burn against me that I may speak once more. Please let me make a test once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece and let there be dew on all the ground. And God did so that night for it was dry only on the fleece and the dew was all on the ground. How many times do you and I come to God with that sense of urgency saying, God, show me a sign. Sometimes it's truly because we have no idea what to do and we're asking God to show us clearly his direction. Other times we know what God wants us to do and we don't want to do it, much like Ahaz. He didn't want a sign because if it's a sign, it's further confirmation that he needed to do what he knew he should be doing all along. But signs are important. If we had our, more of our Wednesday setting here, some of you could speak of different times when God, you believe, has spoken to you through a sign. You know, sometimes we do that uh, comically. We, you know, saying, God, if you really want me to do this, then uh, help, help it to rain on the backside of my house, but the sun to be shining on the front of my, I don't know what do you say, but we say different things about sh God, show me a sign. And we may make up something that we know God probably won't do because we don't want to do what we feel that he is leading us to do. But yet we have signs, not only uh, biblical signs, but we have signs that help a city run smoothly. We have an octagon red shaped or red colored octagon shaped sign that encourages smooth traffic flow. We have a black and white sign with an arrow that reminds us we are to only go one way on that street. And we have a blue sign with an H in it that reminds us that there is a hospital nearby off of this exit. So signs are important to us and we look for signs. Signs help keep and maintain the order. But try to picture a, a city with no signs. Jesus is the sign of God's loving involvement with this world. In, in verse 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son and she will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Some of you can give testimony as you think back over your recent history, but also over the years of Emmanuel, how God has been with you and carried you through some very significant struggles and very significant times. As I look out across the congregation, I'm aware of some of you that have had surgeries this year. Some of you that have shared news with me and only a few others of upcoming tests that you were concerned about. God is with us in the valley of the uncertain. But God has also been with us amid mountaintops and successes and wonderful news of a new family member or a new promotion or other uh, ways that God walks 
among us. Here in Isaiah 7, Ahaz was in a time of war and uncertainty, a time of fear, and God gave his Old Testament people a sign, a sign that would be fulfilled many years later amid uh, international turmoil and internal danger, both in the Old Testament and now in the New as we move into Matthew 1. God gave his New Testament people a grand sign to assure them that God was with them. Even though Rome seemed mighty, the sign still stands for us today in a time of war and fear. When leaders jockey for power and enemies are at the gates, we don't know whom to trust. I read a quote this week by Elizabeth Actheimer. She said it well. The people of faith know that earth's petty powers will never have the last word. After all, Jesus Christ was born when Caesar Augustus ruled, and Caesar is now dead, but Jesus Christ lives. When it is hard to trust God in impossible situations, let us remember and let us look to this sign that a virgin who gave birth to a son who was in every sense of the word, Emmanuel, God with us. God with you and me, regarding the, the lowest depths or the highest heights, he walks among us. Let us remind ourselves that God is with us amid the ordinary days. He's with us between the heights and the depths, between the mountains and the valleys. Hear these words from, an, from Pastor Stan Mast. Emmanuel is God with us in the cancer clinic and at the local nursing homes where bodies slump pitifully in wheelchairs pushed up against the hallway walls. Emmanuel is God with us in the hospice room and when life's final breath slips past a dear one's teeth and lips. Emmanuel is God with us when the pink slip comes and when the beloved child sneers, I hate you. Emmanuel is God with us when you pack the Christmas decorations away and with an aching heart you realize that the one family member you were hoping to hear from hasn't yet called over the holidays. Emmanuel is God with us when your dear wife or husband or mother, father, family member stares at you with an Alzheimer's glaze and asks absently, what was your name again, dear? Ever and always, Jesus stares straight into us and reminding us with two good eyes that he does not only, um, uh, that he is with us amid our troubles, that he smiles back, but most certainly also when your eyes are full of tears. God looks at us again amid the mountaintop, amid the valley. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with you, God with us. Even in those times when you're so angry with God that you refuse to meet his eyes. But even when you feel like you can't look at him, he never looks away from you. He can't. His, his name says it all. Emmanuel, God with us. In Matthew 1 that I read earlier, we saw where this prophecy from Isaiah was fulfilled in the birth of our Lord and Savior. And almost like bookends, I've used that analogy before, something at the very beginning of a book and at the end of the book of Matthew, Jesus, is pro Jesus promises surely after the Great Commission when he says, go into all the world, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He has these words that remind us of Emmanuel. He says, surely I am with you even to the end of the age. The number one message of Jesus is love. Today's theme for the Advent candle was love. God loves you and he invites you to follow him. You and I, as we chart our course, our journey in life, we don't know what that journey is gonna look like. It may be with more valleys than mountaintops. But yet we know and have the promise that whatever may come to us along that journey, God is with us, that he loves us, that he has a plan, and that he has a purpose for our lives. This Christmas, on this last Sunday before Christmas Day, I first of all invite each of you and urge each of you or ask you, have you put your faith in the, most, the one that can, I guess, bless you with the most indescribable gift that you could ever imagine? The gift of God's love through his son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. As we put our faith and in, in trust in him, we realize more of who he is as we grow in our relationship with him. And we also realize more of who we are. And I can't help but think of John, the Apostle John's words in 
um, in First um, John 1, 8, 9, when he says, if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't know what your journey has been like for 2019. For some of you, it's been wonderful. and others, it's been a very difficult year. I want you to hear and to understand and know fully the words from Isaiah and the words from Matthew when they speak, and the words from our Lord ultimately, when they speak of this baby born in Bethlehem. We know his name of Jesus. We also know his name to be Emmanuel. He is walking with us. He is walking with you through whatever trials and tribulations, through the highs and the lows. And so I challenge you this Christmas to look to him, to trust him, to look for those signs as you move forward with your decisions about life and career and family. Look for those signs. He's given us signs in his word, first of all, that we need to look to, but look to how he's working and moving among you in your everyday life. Emmanuel, God is with us. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for these prophetic words from the prophet Isaiah. I thank you for the way that we read in the New Testament of these words being truly fulfilled. Lord, we're grateful that you're with us as we walk alongside of others that are going through difficult times and as we walk through our own difficult journeys as well. Oh, Lord, how we are so grateful for your presence. God, you've given us signs, signs that point to you and your love for us. But Lord, may you continue to reveal yourself to us in new and fresh ways. Take us from where we are amid our lives of going about things on our own, thinking we can handle everything on our, on our own. But Lord, lead us to walk more fully and obediently in a relationship with you. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that's never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, that today would be the day where they are made new. Today would be the day that they receive the greatest gift that anyone could ever receive the gift of forgiveness, and the gift of eternal life. Lord, for those of us, though, that have put our faith and trust in you, remind us, Lord, that you're with us. And Lord, as, as you remind us of that, draw us closer and uh, closer fellowship with you. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today, uh, the altar is open. I invite you to come. I'd love to talk with you about the relationship with Christ. If you are here today and desire church membership, we invite you to come as well. Let me also remind you, if you desire to sing with the choir for the Hallelujah Chorus, uh, you can come and make your way to the choir during this hymn of invitation. Let's stand and sing. Go tell it on the mountain, hymn number 143.
As our choir prepares to lead us out this Christmas week, let me remind you of our Christmas Eve service. Tuesday at 5 o'clock here in the sanctuary. Come and bring someone with you. And also this afternoon, the shower and then caroling at 3 o'clock. And we'll meet here in the sanctuary for that. So hope you can come and be a part of these special opportunities. Let me, 
let me remind you as you depart, if you have a poinsettia, please come. You are encouraged to please come and grab your poinsettia and enjoy it over the holidays. Thank you.